Oi, Nathan, you got a tune for me, do you, governor? Oh, yeah, I do, Brenton. It's classic movie banter. We're here, Brenton. Woo! It's a, Whoa, oh. guys. We're on the stage itself. We are here, and welcome to Classic Movie Banter. You know that podcast where I, myself, that guy, Brenton, and that other dude are sitting over there, Nathan. We talk about Hello. movies that are 20 years or older. 20, 20 years, years, Nathan. Wah. And we discuss whether these films are, are still classics in our book, mm. or whether they're worth, you know, taking a large bottle of liquid nitrogen, Ooh. pouring it over the old VCR, yes. uh, and then, you know, doing like a a Greek dance party where they like smash the plates but it's like the frozen <laughs> VCRs and like you smash the VCRs on the floor I can see rock bands doing this on stage just like throwing the shit to the ground just like <laughs> well look hopefully we don't have to pour any ni- liquid nitrogen today because no. I'll probably miss and then something else will be frozen mm. friends and we're sitting down in our big armchairs we've got our drinks each because we're we're talking about a film that actually makes us throw our glasses to the ground and jump to our feet. That's it. That's it. We're talking about real art. We're talking about <laughs> This Is Spinal Tap, yeah. released in 1984 and directed by Rob Reiner. Now, now, can I just talk about this guy for two seconds? Because oh I do boy. know Rob. All right, everyone. Let's have let's have Brenton just love Rob Reiner to death because maybe Rob Reiner directed When Harry Met Sally, e.g. one of Brenton's favorite yes. films he won't shut the fuck up about. Okay, so so let's just look at his director <laughs> credits, okay? Brenton's like, you can't see this, listeners, but Brenton's like batting his fan coyly in front of his face, like his eyes popping from behind. Hey, I am, I am, I, I'm, 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 I'm staring down the barrel right now, you know, and I'm just fluttering my little fan because my <laughs> little, my little fanboy fan is is just fluttering away. Uh, uh, so first up, we got the Princess Bride. Yeah, we have Misery. We have a few good men. Yeah, you know, one of our other, one of those other films we've already reviewed on this show. Mm-hmm. We've got Stand By Me and we've got, of course, When Harry Met Sally. They're just the director's credits, okay? Okay, and they're just some of them. Mm. They're just some of the big ones, the big boys. So, as an actor, (laughs) he's also worked in such films as The Wolf of Wall Street, Sleepless in Seattle. He was a wolf. As as well as great cameos in Hannah Montana and the Wizards of Waverly (laughs) Place. He was in Hannah Montana. Yeah, dude, apparently. He was was, uh, in an episode of Hannah Montana, which you can, of course, now watch, uh, which is streamed now on Disney+. Plus. So so get amongst... It's very exciting. Brenton and I share share an account and it's wonderful, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It's Mm. it's a beautiful friendship we have. I have been spying on your watch list, though, and I haven't seen Wizards or Hannah in there. So I'm I'm wondering if you're hiding it deliberately from me. Like... (laughs) Hey, hey, man. Hey, man. I'm just excited. I'm just excited to support Rob. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Because, Nathan, do you know that this is Spinal Tap? A little qu- quick fact to get us started before we jump into the show. It was actually his directorial debut. How the hell was this his directorial debut? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But let, let's get into it because, Nathan, oh. I've also got a question for you. Oh, dear. You know, we're talking about Rob oh, here. Oh, dear. But... but uh, but I actually have a question for you to keep it on a personal level between us, you know, because we're, we're, we're both creators, you know. we, 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 we... <laughs> In the loosest of terms, if you classify this as creating, geez, more in the first sense of ramblers. Oh. But Nathan, I have to admit, I had no idea what the fuck This Is Spinal Tap was when you suggested we review it for the podcast. So can mm. you please pitch me this movie? 
Can you pitch me the movie? All right, so I'm going to pitch you This is Spinal Tap. Brenton, welcome to my office. It's We're back in the 80s, and uh, I'm a producer. Uh, actually, no, I will be Rob Reiner, and I want to I want to convince you we're going to make this movie. So, so Brenton, have you have you ever sat down and watched these, like, films from bands about, like, them going on tour, you know? Like, the behind-the-scenes footage, that kind of stuff. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've watched many of those documentaries. Why do you ask, Nathan? All right. Well, imagine if we did that... But, like, we made it as a parody, and we made it in jest. A mockumentary, as it would. And we filmed one on a fictitious band um, called Spinal Tap. Wow. Nathan, I've never, ever heard of the mockumentary uh, term before in my life. Yes, because maybe this movie pioneers it. Who knows? We'll find out. (laughs) Nathan, are you trying to start a new genre here? Good Lord. Potentially, I am. And by doing that, the way we're going to make a mockumentary is that we're going to have these ludicrous scenarios and make fun of what bands go through when they tour and kind of how, you know... You know, you know how silly all of this is. So that's that's pretty okay. much it. We're just going to follow this band and have a few good laughs as we see them go from the highest highs to the lowest lows. Nathan, seeing as this is the '80s, I have to admit I'm high as fuck. So this sounds really <laughs> good to me. Brendan like lifts his nose up from the desk, just like face full of cocaine. I'm not sure if that's the devil's dust talking or whether it's your you, you know, <laughs> Nathan Nathan chatting to me right now. So uh, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm yes. going to give you all the all the funding you need to make this. Fl- Lick, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And then I'll probably get high again. I'll watch the finished product and mm. we'll send it to every single cinema in the United States before going and watching Bon Jovi live. How does that sound? That sounds amazing, Brent. You know what? Tell you what. So can we just can we chat about, about like musical films where we follow bands? Can we talk about that for a little sec before we dive on in? Sure. Absolutely. We can talk about anything you want, really. Oh, how's your sex life? <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about my sex life, Brenton. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> next week's my birthday episode, Brenton. Let's find out. So Ooh, let's, oh, <laughs> let's let's talk about some because because the only real movie I've seen of this genre in a cinema is um, this is it, Michael Jackson's This Is It of like the behind the scenes kind of like how to make a concert kind of thing. Maybe also maybe also Hannah Montana the movie. I feel like there's a little bit of that in there as well. <laughs> I, I I can't say, like, because I've never seen This Is It, which is, like, obviously a documentary about, like, mm. uh, that, that final concert, which never came to be, obviously. Um, <laughs> really? But, yeah. Uh, but, but in terms of, like, films, I'm just trying to think, films that we follow, like, rock bands or um, bands in general. Because I've seen plenty at home, like, in the home TV I have, but like, I'm trying to think of in a cinema. Yeah, no, no, I can't think of many, many either. So I asked that to you, Brenton, because I want you to imagine what this would be like watching this movie in the cinema in the 80s. Oh, man, it would be an experience, wouldn't it? I think if you saw this in the cinema in the 80s, it would be a visceral, like, energetic audience that would join in the fun. Yeah, I can see people getting amongst it at that time. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see your point. Because, Brenton, this movie is a lot of fun, isn't it? Nathan, I I, I think this film is is fun. I'd I'd agree with that. I think this film is fun. (laughs) Brenton's, like, writing it up on the whiteboard, like, F-U-N, just, like, with a little question mark next to it, like, hmm. F-U-N. Define fun. No. Um, So, let's let's get into the nitty-gritty. Okay. So, Nathan, this movie is quite funny. It's got some funny lines. It does. It's got some funny... It's got some fun characters, and it's got some good dynamics, Mm. and you can tell that, you know, that there was was probably a lot of fun making this. It's funnier than I expected, as well, by the way. The humor's better than I thought it'd be. I agree. My big takeaway from this Mm. is that if I was to sum this up in a sentence, which I'm about to... Oh, here to, we go. Spoiler alert. Uh, I would say that, wow, this movie, you can see why it pioneered kind of the mockumentary uh, genre. 
Mm-hmm. But watching it today, I don't know what more you really get out of it, aside from the fact that it's a bit of fun <laughs> and it's great to watch because you can see why it pioneered like all, all these other films that came along. You know what I mean? Mm. So so for me, I watched the first half an hour of this and I got and I got kind of everything I needed to get from this film. You know what mm. I mean? But that's not taking away from the fact that it's still some fun. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? You know, after the first half an hour, is anything fun after the first half an hour, Brenton? Jeez, that's now we're asking the big questions. <laughs> Jeez, big Nathan. questions on the big podcast. I thought we said we weren't going to talk about your sex life. Oh, no. <laughs> He's turned the tables again, listeners. <laughs> uh, I completely understand what you're saying. So I f- this what I'm hearing right now is maybe a pace issue. Was it the pacing of the film? Do you think it started to fall after a little bit? Like no, like it wasn't. It wasn't. Perhaps, maybe, but I think I think it's deeper than that because I think at the time I think again this would have been uh, like audiences wouldn't have known have known really what to do with this. Um, <laughs> the juggling it between their hands as they walk out the cinema is like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're like yeah. But but I think I think at the same time I think thank goodness for this film because it it obviously pioneered uh, movies that I really 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 love. Mm. Uh, but I can't say that I really, really love this movie. I just think it's it's all right, and I think it's um a bit of fun, and I I respect it for what it brought to the the history of cinema. Yeah, I guess that's probably an issue with all first films, like the first film to do this and the first film to do totally. that. Totally, it's like totally. Yeah, that 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 shine kind of loses it. Like, and, I, and even in our lifetimes, you know, in our young years, Brenton. Uh, you know, we've we've seen films that have done first things that maybe aren't as shiny as when we look back on them. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. In terms of getting into just like because obviously that's a pretty broad statement I just made. Yeah. In terms of like technically getting into it, I'll say what I love about this movie the most, and it's actually kind of a fact about this, isn't that a lot of the dialogue was ad libbed in this? You know, and you can mm. really tell virtually all of it. <laughs> exactly, and uh, you can tell that they had a lot of fun. You know, doing these scenes and ad libbing these scenes and improvising these moments. Mm. And so I think I think I think that's what I like about the film the most, and that it really does feel like a documentary in the sense that it feels lived in. And there's only like brief moments that are that are so like I guess like. Uh, particularly placed into the film, such as uh, I'll just give a quick example. In the fact of like, there's a there's a mock- mockumentary, like there's a interview happening right and with the with the mm. band and the and the guy that's made the documentary. And Rob Reiner, the real life director, follows them around as a character as the yeah. director in the movie, which is great. Yeah, I, I think that's great too. But but every time we cut back to the director in this in this scene at the start of the film, he just gives it's like the same shot of him like nodding. Like, <laughs> With the most strained face you could imagine. But that's it. Like, so so you have all this ad-libbing, but there's the, these moments of comedy gold that are just put in, that are just placed in there, like, by the editor, by the director, to, to kind of to kind of remind you that this is this is fake. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, it gets, it gets that balance right is what I'm trying mm. to say of like between, between like, between a real lifting kind of thing and the fact that we're kind of taking the piss of this at the same time and we're letting you know. Well, we it's are. funny because like Christopher Guest, one of the main actors in the movie, he said at the time that like people used to think the band was real when they walked out of the cinemas. Like a lot of people got hoodwinked thinking this is a real thing. I can see why. I can see why, you know, if you hadn't, again, mockumentary, no one knows what it is. You just think you're watching a documentary about these dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> this and you're like, wow, you know, like I, I I'm gonna go listen to Stonehenge, you know, and listen to their music. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's great. Like, like, well, what do you, so? 
I agree. I think Rob. I think with the scenes with Rob Reiner, especially, I I, I think he adds the dramatic heft to the movie. Thinking like, what the heck? He's like, he's the straight man in all of this. Seeing the 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 shit that yeah. like the band goes through, especially with the famous Starlet to Eleven scene when he's been taken around. Like like he needs to be exactly what he is. You know that that kind of like that audience surrogate of like, how the fuck is this band surviving? You know what I mean? Totally, yeah. totally, totally. And what a great. But we'll get into that scene yeah, later because because obviously that's the most famous thing to come out of the movie. You know, and, yeah. And it Definitely lives yeah, up totally. to the hype, but 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 in going back to the, those performances you were talking about, I think I think all the acting across the board is outstanding. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I I totally it's agree. So yeah. good, it's amazing. Like, ah, oh, it's great. It's so funny because the only role I know Michael McKean of who plays the blonde bloke is. Have, do you watch Better Call Saul? Yeah, he's Chuck. Yeah, I know. I, I was know. like, what are you doing in this? This is amazing. Like. And it's funny because he doesn't look that different. What are you doing outside, Chuck? Yeah, no. Um. <laughs> As when I was calling him Chuck the whole movie because I thought his wig was atrocious. Like that's obviously a wig, right? Oh, totally. Well, it's. I hope it's a wig because God, that that blonde head of hair. I'm like, Oy. but it's also I love kind of the presentation of these characters of this band because it's so on the nose of like how these '80s bands lived. And you know what? I think you and I watching this in hindsight after like whatever it was, 30 or so years, I think it's probably aged better because it not just comments on rock culture, but also 80s rock culture. Absolutely, yeah. I really love the commentary on it, especially how essential, like, um, album art was to bands those days and, like, how touring and, like, album signings and all that was. Because these days, the art industry doesn't really reflect that to the same degree. No, no. We Like, when's the last time, really, that you've, sp- when you've spoken about, uh, like, an album cover or, you know... Or even, sadly, an album. Like, like new records that drop these days. That's it's, it. It's, it's a sad thing. But so rarely is it in the zeitgeist, you know that it's just added to the playlist. Mm. Exactly. So I think this this movie is a great time capsule of looking what what kind of what music culture was, and I think almost it kind of illustrates like a, a descent. It kind of shows that real business side of, of music making. It it reminds me a lot of um Straight Outta Compton. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Straight Outta Compton, but ah. I I've seen scenes from it and I recognize. I, I think that's a good um yeah. I think that's a good parallel actually. Kind mm. of you know obviously they're very different films in terms of tone, but I think they both illustrate a turning point in their respective industries, and I think. This is this really says a lot. Not just I don't think it's just here for laughs, Brenton. I think it is here to say something intelligent about music. For me, listening to you, like what's what's really amazing about this is that like what you've taken from this film. And for for me personally, I don't think I necessarily got those things from this film. Watching ah, okay. it, you know, because <laughs> it is stupid. <laughs> yeah, totally. But like, I, and maybe I wasn't looking for those things either. Like, I I agree mm. that they're there when you're talking about them because obviously it's there. And um and I, it it's one of those films. I feel like it's as deep as you want to take it. And maybe mm. when I was watching it. I just didn't want to take it that deep. I was just <laughs> it, it never really engaged through. Well, that's like the or a, a glaring criticism we should address with the movie. It's essentially got no plot. No, that's it. It's it's which I don't, I don't mind. I like no. I don't think that's necessarily a criticism, but you it's something that is worth noting when going into this. There is no real no. plot. There is there is there there is events that happen in the film and they cause other events to happen occasionally mm. but there's nothing there's not it, there's no arcs there's no change like no that's it there's not a traditional story structure it's no. not a th- there's not a three act structure to this it's just kind of we 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 are with this band mm. and and we live with them for a while and and that's i think Brett, that's a good point because when the when the movie tries to have those dramatic scenes where like something serious has happened to the band i think that was probably the weakest point in the movie there were some funny jokes around that though i will say <laughs> at the same time 
one of the best jokes is around one one of those one of those fallout moments. And it makes sense as well because like the way this was made, they shot like a hundred hours of footage for this movie, and they had to hire three editors to concurrently edit this film. So you can see why yeah. after stitching it together to an hour twenty, which by the way is very short for a movie, even a mockumentary. It is. I thought, of course, this would feel somewhat stitched and somewhat episodic between scenes, like vignettes almost of these ba- of this band. In, in saying that, though, because there's so much content, I also think that they've done a great job of terms of like how the camera moves and, and capturing that documentary style. Yeah. I think this film does it really well. Sometimes in other like mockumentaries or you know even documentaries, I feel like the camera is doing too much. Mm. They just knew with this what they kind of had and they knew when when they needed to go in on something, when they needed to pull back, when they needed to cut. You know, it's it's quite intelligently made. Mm. And I, I do appreciate that. But I, yeah, I, I appreciate the subtlety and the, the way that it's not kind of as in your face. You know, mm. you're not watching Tarantino. You're watching, no. you're watching these people really, really, really recreate uh, a, a documentary and 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 I think it succeeded obviously when it when it had audiences hoodwinked like you said absolutely and like I was I was so hoodwinked throughout the whole movie even though I knew it was a fake band from from start to finish I never like once like had the snap of reality and, and was thinking oh I see you know Christopher Guest and all that kind of stuff um the, totally. yeah there were a couple moments where I noticed some celebrity cameos which I guess are spoilers yeah let's talk about those later yeah. we'll talk we'll definitely talk because there's some those funny later, actors but- that play other characters they don't play themselves so I'm like oh they're in this movie. And I had, a, I had a bit of a giggle. Nathan, what do you think of the uh, the music, the music in this film? That's a thing, Brenton. Like, I didn't... I think this might be down as personal taste, but I didn't really care for their music. Like, especially the scenes where we joined them on the stage. And, like, except for one very funny scene. But, like, when it was just them playing music for, like, a good two minutes, it kind of halted the movie. I agree. I agree. And that's coming from someone that loves, like, 80s rock. I love yeah. 80s rock and roll. Especially every time you knock on my front door, you kick it down and you, like, scream thunderstruck. I also... I'll also... Uh, slam down the door and just again i'll just go on a bon jovi you know what i mean i just start oh. you know just just getting in there you know what yeah. i mean uh get the hair out get the jacket on and i'm just like everywhere all at once you know what i mean i'm just just got so much energy it is annoying when you and i decide to go for like walks in the park that like you decide to bring your guitar and like strum tunes as we're walking quite loud with a portable amp like it is disturbing to the to the neighbors brenton hey man i don't care i can't fight this feeling anymore <laughs> but yeah the, it's like the music's such a weak part and like I don't know, I, but also I thought it might have been deliberate. I thought maybe the movie was trying to make them as generically 80s as possible, including the music. Look, maybe, but when you have stretches, as of, like you said, of the film that are just like, you know, two to three minute songs. For us as an audience, I just don't feel it's as, uh, it's as interesting. You know what I mean? As as they want us to make it be- us believe it is, mm. and I get that. Like for like the context, like you know, you can't really make a Queen documentary without showing them at the live concert playing. You know, I want to break free or something, and show them do the song because like that's part of the experience, and I get why it's there. But because they're not real, and because the music's not Queen, it just doesn't have the same uh, impact as I think they want it to have. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly, if, if they were playing Queen songs or something like that, or even if they played, if they call themselves like King. And then just like had songs almost identical to it. Like I, I, I think they need original music, sure. Like I think it needs to seem grounded and real. Yeah. But like the problem with trying to go up against these rock legends is that like, you know, your music's never gonna be as legendary. But it doesn't necessarily need to be because that's not what the film's for. Exactly, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I guess also there's not it's not that much in the film that it really weighed it down for me. Like, there's only a couple scenes where they play. And the final scene where they, not the final scene that they play, but the one of the major contests that they do completely makes up for it. And I'm like, this is great. The, yeah, there's there's a, there's a few moments, standout moments, that are re- really genuinely just, just fantastic. Mm. I also want to ask you, Brenton, have you seen Popstar Never Stop Stopping? No. So The Lonely Island, they did a film very, very similar to this. Um, it's on Netflix, I think, um, back in like 2015 or something like that. And... Um, I must say, one of the things that I should talk about, that we should say in this movie, is like how dated some of it is. So, like, I feel like if you want to watch a movie that's more relevant to today's music industry, and that probably says a lot more and more is more relevant to your relationship to music, pop stars probably better to watch, in my opinion. On the back of that, I have I haven't seen that film, like I said, but it's good, by the way. It's really funny. I think this is a good segue. Nathan, get off it, by the way. Oh, um, sorry. Into <laughs> stop, stop worrying around the room. <laughs> You're fond of me, lobster, ain't you? So, Nathan, I think that's a good segue. Uh, and speaking of which, can you please get off it? It's really oh, distracting. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, I think what this film does really well is that it has some fantastic moments and it has like, I love the, the realness of it. I love that we're, we're kind of like, you know, boots on the ground. We're just like, we're with this band and we're mm. living, we're living the dream with the, with we're in the front guys. line. <laughs> and, and, but my biggest, my basic, biggest positive coming out of this mm. is that what I want to say is, is that I really appreciate this in terms of what it did. Uh, for the genre, and that it's given me some like, like some some great some great mockumentaries, such as you know Razzle Dazzles, my all time favorite oh. like mockumentary. I don't know. if... I haven't. My mother actually has been nagging you and me to watch Razzle Dazzle for for years. I bloody love it. I think it's I think it's fantastic. It's a great Australian film. Oh. It's it's fantastic. It kind of it it it, it captures like kind of the stage mum dance school kind of <laughs> lifestyle, which and it's and it just nails it. It's oh. hilarious. Uh, so I, I appreciate that it gave us that. I appreciate that it gave gave us the you know the office even you know yeah. like these this 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 whole idea of that like we know we we take this real world kind of environment or oh. culture or, or community and we present it in a way that's truthful but also sh- points out the flaws and the and the things that are funny about it it is a genius like genre like also if we're going to talk about australian and mockumentary we've got to give a big shout out to the work of chris lilly as well <laughs> we do we do summer heights high love you jimmy it's fantastic but nathan all that being said i would rather mm. watch any of those three things that i just mentioned Whoa! Over this, you know what I mean. I guess I can see why. For for me, and I appreciate that it has some fantastic scenes. Like I'm gonna talk about them in spoilers, and I can't wait to talk about them in spoilers. Mm. But will I necessarily watch this again, or will I recommend it for people to watch? Unless you're a, a, a student of uh, cinematic history or cinema, like, well, not really. Like, I I don't think it's necessary to watch. But I think, but I think if you want to see where it all started, and 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 still, like, I still, I still think there's something to gain from watching this. I just don't necessarily know if it's everyone's cup of tea in today's day and age. Oh, it's 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 a shame because I I can I I I want to agree with you, Brenton. You know, I want to I want to cross the aisle and shake your hand. You know, as 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 disgusting as it is. Oh God, walking into my house with those hands. I tell you what. But I don't know. Like listening, listening to all that. Like when I think about Thursday nights, like absolutely, I would put this movie on. I think it's still really funny. I was, I was. My biggest fear going in was that the humor was going to alienate me, and I just wasn't going to attach to these characters. But th- I feel like audiences in twenty twenty, a hundred percent, would get around this and beyond. Brenton, beyond twenty twenty. So like. I think I think it really has something intelligent to say about the music industry, and like, and it can always make you nostalgic for what it used to be, even if you were never there. So like, I think I think people these days will get a lot out of it, besides just going, "Oh look, it's a mockumentary." I think it's great. I think people should watch it and laugh, and it's only an hour twenty. It's not even a big commitment, you know. 
Wonderful, Nathan. You, you, hey, you made great points, but I'm going to stick with mine, and I'm going to say it as great as this film is, and as great as the things that it does that are great are great. Jesus, that didn't make any sense. But our <laughs> point is, my thumbs are down this week. But uh, Nathan, I could think of nothing better than to get into some into some spoilers for this is Spinal Tap. You spoiled it. What? The movie. Oh. All right, Brenton. So <laughs> what do you want to spoil about this movie first? All right. So I don't have many spoilers for this, like, being honest. I just, like, have a few big points that I want to make. Brenton's big points. What? What? Just <laughs> <laughs> so puts a pen through the wall. Like <laughs> the, the, first, the first point of this film that I genuinely, like, like, I cracked up in was when they go, they rock up to that one hotel, right? And they go to the concierge. <laughs> And 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 they go, they realize that like they've just booked like the one the 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 one suite on the seventh floor <laughs> as opposed to like seven seven suites and and the guy that's like ta- like that's looking after them uh is like you know is this kind of this stuck up kind of guy that's just like sticking to the rules or whatever that's right and, yeah and he's and and this other woman comes over and tries to help him and I think I think the the manager calls him like a like an old bent prude or something like like <laughs> demoralizing and something really horrible. It was more colorful than that, I think. And and the con- the concierge says this fucking hilarious line that's just kind of like kind of like it it just kind of wafts over it. And he says this line that hard cuts away from it to the next scene. But he's just like, hey, and because the guy keeps talking, but then he just pops in. He's like, huh, um, I'm I'm just as God made me, sir. Like it's the funniest <laughs> line, and he says like, it so it's, sincerely as well. It's the like, way oh. it's so sincere, and the way he delivers it is hilarious. And then we just after he says that, we just hard cut away from it. It's so good, oh. dude. That was so funny. It's like gr- I love I, their antics in the hotel, and it's it's great as well. I love that scene when it, you have the montage of them in, in the different hotels, where um, you, it's revealed their manager owns a cricket bat. Yeah. <laughs> And that's his way of, like, dealing with, like, the bad. I'm like, jeez. And he says it's so, like, chilly. It's like, oh, yeah, the bad helps, like, for a bunch of stuff. And then you see him just, like, sweeping, like, like food off a table with it. And then he, like, at one point, like, he bashes the TV and it fucking explodes. <laughs> and it's the most, like, visceral explosion. Like, a bomb went off. And then he's just, yeah, like, dude, still... Yeah, dude, it's oh. hilarious. It's, it's so good. Like, I love, I love, like, the non, like... I love when things are like they they don't make sense. So like that the television television exploding, but also like things just exploding in this film is just like a theme. Oh my god! You know what I mean? Like when we start talking about my favorite like um my 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 favorite kind of like recurring gag is the story of what's happened to each of their dramas. Like it's so funny. Yeah. Like and how and how each of them has died. And 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 there's that one guy. There's a point in the film. I think it's halfway through, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the drummer like literally like just exploded on stage." Like there was this one guy. <laughs> It's so seriously like, oh yeah, you know, he did that. And they're like, oh man, it's actually really sad. Like, there was a gardening incident and we don't really like to talk about it, but like, yeah, but all we heard was that there was this oh. gardening incident and it was just horrible and, and he died. And it's so, it's said so sincerely each time. And there's like such a, like, they all like have this memory of this person mm. that we just never meet that has just died in this horrible accident. And it's hilarious. And it has the best payoff because in the final scene, mm. <laughs> we cut to the drummer who literally explodes on stage. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> And it's amazing because you can see it foreshadowed as well. It's like, who's going to die in this movie? It's like, Ex- come on. Exactly. It's great. Oh. It's so funny, And it reflects dude. real life so much. If you ever see interviews with like rock bands or anything like that with like bloody like, you know, all these like artists, it's 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 so true how like they'll tell like some really outlandish story, but they'll all just be like really quiet about it. And they're like, oh yeah, then you, you did that. And they're like kind of nodding and they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like they're so chill about the weirdest shit that happens. Like, and they're all batshit insane. I love how none of them are, are normal in the band as well. Like it's great. Yeah, no. It's great when, um, you know, um, 
Oh, I forget then all their names. I can't remember a single one, but the one with the long hair, he's like showing them the guy his guitar collection and he's like, you got to listen to the guitar and he just kind of holds it up to him and he's like, it's like a she- seashell, mate. <laughs> and he can't hear anything. <laughs> and the director's like, oh, I can't hear anything. He's like, oh yeah, you would if you strummed it. <laughs> like, like they're all insane. <laughs> like you can just see that there's years of touring behind them that just like, Oh, I also love that they chose to make them British as well. Like, of course they're British. Like that, that Beatles. Totally. Like they, they had to be. They had to be um, British. Uh, Nathan, can we talk about it as well? Let's let's just get into it. Let's talk about the famous scene in this film of like uh, up to eleven. It's great. I didn't realize how long it would be. Like the build up to it. Like like the actual scene itself goes for a bit. I know. It's like it's it's a moment in the film that you're like, this is still going oh. about this explanation of this fucking amp that goes up to Jeez. eleven. Because also the film endorses it going like, fuck yeah, this is cool. We're so edgy we go up to eleven. But then Rob Reiner's just like, why don't you just like change ten and make it just more louder? <laughs> and it ends with the perfect hard cut where he's just like, nah, but it goes to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Oh. So funny. And just like, they're so like expressionless during the whole thing. Like they, everything is so genuinely said. Like I can see why the catchphrase caught on. Totally. Oh. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, And there's lots of little moments like that in the film. That yeah. Have you seen um, Jamie Lee Curtis? Because she's married um to Christopher Guest. Um, she tells a story how um how Elon Musk was inspired by the film, and then Tesla yeah. cars, all the aircon and that stuff off goes up to eleven. I I've I've seen that. It's it's crazy. It's wonderful. There's there's a there's another funny line that I just like really appreciated, and it's oh. in the it's I think it's in the lobby actually of um of of the set like just after the uh the the I'm just as God made me so mm. they they're standing there around and and they're talking about that the, there's that other rock star that comes into the lobby and they all have this weird like awkward interaction with oh, him. Yeah, that's right is it the excuse is it the scapegoat he gives no 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 it's it's not that it's like he walks away and then they start discussing this album cover which is like a, a plot point that's like covered more I think in the first third of the film and they talk about the album cover and they're like hey how did this guy get away with basically like like he he was basically like because like the whole problem is with their album cover that it's a woman that's basically gagged and is like you know, a slave or whatever oh. and, and they're like that's sexist and then like it doesn't get picked up because the album cover is like seriously sexist and then this other rock star's album cover is like great and it's selling really well but it's him like tied to, a, to something and there's women all around him like whipping him and then like their manager like has to explain to them that like the reason their cover wasn't for the fact that someone was tied down because it's actually um sexist and then there's this line that like one of them says i can't remember who says it but it's like he goes yeah and he says it so genuinely he goes it's just such a fine line between like stupid you know and clever (laughs) (laughs) i remember that rg and and i and i thought i thought that was kind of like a good like you know, like summation, I guess, in the film. You know what I oh. mean? And like these guys of like, they they're kind of genius. Like it they, is they, genius. They're, they're genuinely, they genuinely, they they're probably like geniuses, like in their own little weird way. But but there is a fine line between stupid and clever. Oh but it's, it was so it was so genuinely given it, and it was so creatively given that line, and it just made me laugh because <laughs> I swear to God, I've heard people say shit like that before oh, in my life, and it's like absolute idiots, <laughs> just like, yeah, like try and, the, and say something profound. Which is, by the way, how so many musicians talk. 
you know? That that's it. The wank like the wankery of it is like is so like spot oh. on. You know what I mean? And it's so sobering when they finally get like the reviews of their album. You know how they're all sitting down in front of the house and like Rob yeah, Ryder's reading yeah. through some reviews? <laughs> oh, it's and like and for a couple of them they're kinda like nodding and going, Oh, actually that was pretty funny. Like, <laughs> like yeah. they're just getting around it. Like Oh Yeah. Can we talk about one of the scenes I love in this movie is the party where like um where, where for some reason the nanny is like like working with the band. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like because we were watching it, and my housemate Taylor was like, "Wait a minute, she sounds like the actual nanny." Because it's that new Joyzy accent. She's like, "Oh, there you boys are. You've been yeah, you've been touring." <laughs> I knew as soon as she came on screen, I knew who she was, and I was like, "I was like, wow, I didn't know she was." In yeah, this. she rocks up. Also, what I never realized is that you know the mime that sir that for some reason they have a mime as a butler at a, at the party. Yeah, yeah, that's Billy Crystal. Is it actually Billy Crystal plays the mime? I didn't even notice that, dude. That's hilarious. Yeah, I didn't notice it either until I was like seeing through the credits and it says like the mime Billy Crystal. I'm like the fuck, and I remember the mime because I remember thinking at the time, why the f- why the hell do they have a mime at a party? Like people don't know this, but if you want a party to go off. Hire a mime artist, you know what I mean? Get him in there. Also, I think it mirrors also the outlandish lives that rock bands live. Speaking, you know? speaking of which, our lovely listeners, uh, I am available for parties, you know. I can do some mime action <laughs> for you guys. It's all good. That'd be great. Could you imagine having a mime as a butler? Like, oh, it's great. Oh, no, and does he, isn't there a gag where he tries to put the food in his mouth and it looks as though he's, like, sucking dick or something? <laughs> It's great. It's so great. This movie just like, it says so many things that are so on point about like bands that were big for a little bit then went away. I love it when the journalist near the end, she's on the, like the roof and she's talking to him after like the band's fucked up. And she says an option for them is just to go to Europe and then they can just milk it for a couple more years simply by the fact that they're American. I'm like, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's it. Oh, And then they find success by going to Japan. Oh, I, I love that that's how it ends. You know what I mean? That's that, that, genius. That, that, that it ends it's with genius, the fact that it's for some reason, like they've they've filled this kind of niche in Japan, and so like they're they're oh. off. You know what I mean? Like they're they're off to tour. And it's so true of like the of the weird Western bands that decide to make it in Japan. You know yeah, what I mean? That's it. That for some odd reason that just hits over there. It was. It's a great oh. moment too, and they they that that moment where the realization of that and like the the aftermath of that is kind of hilarious. That like. <laughs> Also, it's so xenophobic towards the Japanese as well. The way you see some of these reactions, it's like, oh yeah, because isn't the drummer Japanese by that point as well? Is he? Yeah, because like I swear, like one of the band members for some reason are now Japanese, and it kind of zooms in on him, and I'm like, of course, this is just pandering to this market. Like, oh, I want to ask you, Brenton, about something very important about the movie that I didn't know if I got around or not. What did you think about the Yoko Ono storyline? Um, I thought it was a bit random, if I'm being honest. What did you think? Because, like, because when I was researching this movie, like, her, and her name's uh, Janine or something like that, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the disruptive girlfriend, who the second she walks on stage, you know immediately she's going to be the Yoko Ono who kind of, like, you know, interferes and then fucks up the dynamic and all that kind of stuff. But I read that the that she was actually added while they were filming that character. Oh <laughs> so they added like, her extremely last minute because the studio executives were worried that the movie really had essentially no plot. So they thought, fuck it, let's just add a Yoko Ono figure and then see if that spices up the movie. And I don't know if the movie needed her in it, to be honest. No, I don't I don't know if it did either. And you can tell that she's there to advance something. You know that doesn't mm. necessarily need to be a- advanced. So yeah, like I'm kind of with you on that. Like I don't know if she necessarily needed to be there because it's really funny. Like one of the biggest points of contention in the band and where things start to fall apart for me is mm. one of the funniest scenes in the film, and that's when <laughs> the Stonehenge thing happens. <laughs> like that is like that's like genuinely like that's actually hilarious that they go through all this work for this one fucking song to have like this big like fuck off. 
um, rock star eighties moment, you know, in their on their in their live tour, and they don't the the manager doesn't get the specifications right of the the Stonehenge oh statu- statue they want to have, and this tiny ass it's like the size of like your computer monitor, this tiny Stonehenge it's like so statue just like I love it because like he she gets the note on a napkin, yeah, and you can tell that the clear fuck up is just that he wrote inches instead of feet because he did two strokes, yeah, yeah, and you're just like. And it just goes to show how mismanaged, like, all this is. It's like, like, they didn't need the girlfriend to, like, disrupt the band. Like, there's any series of fuck-ups that could have, like, dismantled the band. That's it. But, like, this scene, man, when that thing, like, they're live... This was, like, the only music scene that I was, like, that was, like, necessary. Brendan, I also want to mention that you know how um the drummers keep changing throughout the movie? Yes. I want to segue into J.K. Rowling. Sure. Because, <laughs> Has because she because she was interviewed um, when, when Harry Potter um was, you know... She was writing all the books, and she said that this is Spinal Tap influenced Harry Potter, and the reason it influenced Harry Potter is because when something bad happens to every teacher, every Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, she got that idea from the drummers having something bad happen to them. Isn't that hilarious? Like, isn't is, that amazing? I, I can never read those books or watch those films the same way again because I'll just be thinking <laughs> another one bites the dust. You know what I mean? And then the last big scene that I wanted to talk about that I found really like on on the money as well was the fact that they get lost backstage before a gig. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like a maze because you and I we've done theatrical shows before and like for to change stages all the time like it's probably not far from the truth is it? No, like these big theaters and of course like huge huge arenas as well. Like can you imagine what it's like back there? Good lord, uh, I know what it's like back in some arenas. Like you just like you walk in and it's and it is literally a rabbit warren that kind of goes under the things. So jeez, and they bump into that one stage, and I love it when he's explaining the directions as well. And they're like, and you can see none of them are taking it. I in, know. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just the worst, isn't it? It's like, a great moment. Uh, yeah, I love it, and it's funny because um because Ozzy Osbourne came out and said um when he saw when he first saw the film that the, he's been through that exact experience on multiple occasions. So that's what I mean. It's it's very like the film itself is is. Like and again, this is like one of its biggest positives. It's very oh. uh, it, it 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 captures it, doesn't it? It really, it really does. Even the weird little stage fuck ups, how they're all trapped in, how the one guy's like trapped in the clam and he can't get out. It's like <laughs> like all those stage fuck ups do happen in real life. You yeah, know? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's so good. Well, Nathan, I just wanted to say to the to our lovely listeners out there, if there's any moments that stood out to this film for you, let us know. You know. Yeah. What's your favourite scene in this movie? Because obviously, Brent and I, we've got a handful of them. Shoot us a, you know, a tweet or, you know, comment in that YouTube section, comment section down below. Or, you know, yeah. even just like, you know, message us on Instagram. I don't know. Send us a story of like your of you reacting to your favourite bit. That'd be great. That'd be funny, actually. Yeah, it'd be great to hear from you. We'd, we'd love to read through some. Yeah. So, Brenton, what stills this movie? <laughs> Ooh, it's blinding. What stills this movie is a section of the podcast where we talk about a frame in the film that we thought was funny, that was kind of poignant, something that might have summed up the film, or that just looked nice. So we put these frames up on our Instagram page, obviously, where you can see them, or you can check it out on our YouTube thumbnail. But Nathan, mm. this shows the point in the film was there's a live concert and they're performing their Stonehenge number. This tiny ass <laughs> sculpture of Stonehenge is lowered down from the ceiling and they're all kind of mm. weirdly reacting to it like, that's not Ron, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, like... And it's weird that they've never seen it before the actual performance. Like, they didn't get it to gaze at the prop. It lands on the floor and they start, they kind of, you know, they start this little Irish jig thing and then these two little dwarves run out and start, like, dancing around <laughs> this tiny Stonehenge 
and you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? Did they hide the dwarves because the Stonehenge was so small, so it wouldn't look as tiny? It's it, the, That's the funniest bit, when it cuts back to the manager, and he's just like, everyone's like horrified, and he's like just nodding, like, this is exactly how it's meant to go. And it's like, <laughs> and it's exactly that. It's like, it's like in the, it's like in the specifications, it was like, we need two like dancers that are like, like that in relation to Stonehenge are like this height. Mm. And they were like, well, no one's that tall except dwarves. So they hired dwarves and these two dwarves come out and start dancing mm. around this tiny Stonehenge while the Jeez. band is playing this song that sounds like absolute shit. And it's this moment <laughs> and it goes for about like 10 seconds that you're just watching this, like what the actual fuck? And then it like hard cuts to the discussion after it, which is like just as funny as like the actual like image on stage oh. of them being like, it's so funny because the dwarves look giant next to the stone hedge anyway i know like, I, it, it doesn't help at all it's, and it's just it's hilarious ah oh, it's so good and like i just and like you don't get to see the audience much in that scene but i, I if i was there i would just lose my shit <laughs> i would just find it so funny like i kind of want to go to a concert where things just fuck up like that because i feel it could be even more amusing you know for sure it'd be it's an, it's an experience all on its own you know what i mean oh it's bloody wonderful brenton oh well, hey. Hey! Let's look at this film's poster. Brenton. Yes? Let's look at this film's poster. But is it art? All right, Brenton. So this poster here for Spinal Tap, which you can see this poster on our Insta. You, um, you can see it on the YouTube channel. It's what it is, for those who aren't looking at it, it's a photo, it's a photo essentially of just the band doing a generic cover shoot in front of like a blue background. And then just this big yellow outline around them with quotes on the film saying, the funniest rock movie ever made. Don't miss it. One of the funniest movies. I'm pissing my pants. The logo, this is Spinal Tap that you can clearly see Thor Ragnarok adored. Looking at this post up, I can't say there's anything about it that makes me froth, you know what I mean? That makes me go, I want to hang this on my wall and do anything. But in saying that, it is perfect for what this film is in terms of marketing it and and giving us a poster that like you know gives us an idea of what this film's all about this is what you shoot and um so i think it's perfect in that sense but as a poster comparing it to like bridge over the river choir for example no it's compared to rocky 2 no (laughs) but it's achieving the goal it's setting out to achieve and for that i applaud it Mm. but it's not fucking going on my wall Unfortunately, I think I don't. I don't like the poses that they're pulling. Frankly, I think what it should have been. I like the general setting of the poster. I like the logo itself. I think the logo is great. I even like the framing of it. I just think the photo should not be them in front of a cover. I think it should be them like in the in like them destroying instruments of some sort, <laughs> <laughs> like smashing guitars, or even them like being being chased out of a concert hall by the police or something like that. Sure, sure. This one looks like they're just being a little bit too. You know, generic. Uh, I I like it. I like that it's a bit understated, and it's just kind. It's just like one of their band shoots. Like I, I we also acknowledge now that we can see all of their wigs together. How much the blonde hair stands out against the rest of their dark hair. I know, especially that red shirt too. Man, what a look! What a look! I might steal that. I can't believe people dress like this in the eighties. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like. Oh. I remember when I saw like Kendrick Lamar it was like he just wore like a t-shirt and some pants like that was it like you don't have to dress like this if we were born in the 80s we would have looked potentially something like this that's what I'm wondering like, I think we dress normally now like, I think we do but I look like, I'm wondering if like in the 2030s and 40s we're gonna look back on how we dress and we're gonna be like we look like idiots like <laughs> you know yeah, who what I, mean? knows? I reckon I reckon we're gonna look back and be like Crocs what the fuck you know what I mean oh I think we're, I think even now we're going Crocs what the fuck oh I have, I have six pairs, though. What are you talking about? It's kind of weird you're wearing them all at once, Brenton. How is it like walking? Well, they're great for earmuffs as well. <laughs> oh, Brenton, leave my house. 
Ooh, it's a title. So, title talk. Brenton, this is Spinal Tap. What do you feel about this title? All right, well, here we go. Like, I think the title works, but Spinal Tap is the title for a band. What do you think? It's pretty stupid. I have no idea what it means. Is the music going to be so good that it's tapping your spine? Is that what it's saying? <laughs> I have no clue. And they don't even, like, riff on it. Like, they don't, like, as a band, like, make it no. their theme. Like, you know what I mean? It's just there, and it's well, so What else weird. could this film have been called? I don't know. I like it. I like the format of This Is Blur. I think it's probably more yeah. the band name I've got to gripe with. Like, yeah. What would you call them? Um, Stonehenge, obviously. <laughs> yes, this is Stonehenge. That's great. That's so good. Isn't there a band out there called Stonehenge? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like it exists, maybe. I could be wrong, but like maybe for reasons that like that, they didn't do it, but I think that's a way better band name. Uh, and it's great because the whole movie, you're wondering why, why they're called Stonehenge, and then like it gets brought in at the end. And you're yeah, like, totally, yeah. That'd be great. Well, yeah. Then you have the payoff at the end of when the when that happens. Exactly. Like, where the how the fuck is Stonehenge going to be like tied into this? And yet here we go. Segment. Brenton, I want to ask you a question. Do you reckon this movie would work well as a video game? <laughs> okay. <laughs> How would this work? This raises many questions. Nathan, do you have an idea of what the gameplay would be in this in in this game because I I think that it would work as like a visual novel type thing where you kind of like choose Ooh. where you like choose like options of stupid shit to say in response to like your manager or something <laughs> like it's like, like a like a telltale like choose your own kind yeah, of yeah like. maybe maybe it's like band manager and it's like an annual release like FIFA twenty <laughs> like twenty twenty it's like band manager twenty. 2020 you know what i mean like i was thinking more along the lines of like guitar hero but with like spinal tap songs and like you're with the band but for some reason the band like says their catchphrases throughout like the song (laughs) like door up to 11 (laughs) so it's so it's like rock band four, like spinal spinal tap edition yeah which by the way i'm surprised that hasn't happened considering how easy it is to do that hey maybe 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 it will happen one day you don't count them out yet or even what about a third person shooter brenton oh my goodness where you're where you're a fan and you need to get access to the band and like <laughs> what about what about like an action adventure like uncharted s game basically oh, where yeah. like you're late for the show you need to go find your instrument and then like get to the stage and there's like climbing segments where you're like fucking climbing the lighting rig to like get to the stage <laughs> oh that's I, this would i think we we've concluded this will work excellently as a video game hey game designers uh tweet at us you know oh, email please. us let's you know let's 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 let's, let's business make this up happen. you know what i mean let's oh. let's let's create a production company for games and just you know spinal tap it's going to happen you guys are going to be playing it in a, in 3 to 4 years well let's pass it to the people brandon <laughs> Pass it here. What? The power to the people. All right, Brenton. Well, despite your thumbs down, the critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes sits at 95%. Wow. And the audiences give it 92, so... That's super high. Yeah. It's as very is, high, Brenton. As, as were the people that made this film. Uh. Um, hey. <laughs> what did they say, Brenton? Brad Laidman. <laughs> Laid. Uh, from film... <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> That was the lowest hanging fruit, Brenton. Jeez. Jeez. Oh, oh gosh. What's happening what are we to me, doing? guys? I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, you down to 11. <laughs> Third episode into the new year, it is officially, like, regressed, like, 10 years in age. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Br- from Film Threat, Brad is. Sorry, Brad, by the way, um, for making a joke of your name. Uh, a towering <laughs> achievement in cinema, music, and life art. Funnier and more prescient every time I see it. Anytime I tour... I will be there. So I think Brad is under the <laughs> under the illusion that this <laughs> band is potentially real. Brad, Probably. Laid, they're not real, mate. 
they're, they're not real at all. <laughs> you would see them live though. Even now, if like Michael McKean and Christopher Guest are both like, okay, fuck it, we're going to do a world tour. I would go see them. I would too. We'd have a good time. It'd be a great time. Oh, David Kerr though from the Chicago Reader, he didn't like it, Brenton. And he wrote, the material is consistently clever and funny, although ultimately the attitudes are too narrow to nourish a feature length film. I don't know if the attitudes are too narrow. I don't know if that's the problem. You know what I mean? I do think he identifies a problem in the sense of it being a film. Like, do you think this would have worked better as a, like a TV or even like even like an SNL skit? You know, like no, I think there's more to it than that. I think maybe mm. maybe like a miniseries or something would have been fun. Imagine <laughs> like HBO just like making like a prestige miniseries on Spinal yeah, Tap. Yeah, totally, totally. Like that'd be that'd be great. You know what else is great? Patrick J's half star review. <laughs> <laughs> he says easily, easily. <laughs> Easily the most dull, boring, and unfunny comedy to ever be released. Jeez, go watch Norbit instead. Whoa, you can thank me later. Whoa, Patty J. Jeez. Patty J, mate. Patrick. Patty J, I think you've been smoking the Patty J, buddy. Oh, dear. Go watch <laughs> Norbit instead. No, thank you. I would watch Spinal Tap a million times over instead of watching oh. Norbit. If I was stuck on a desert island and I had like a VCR, uh, sorry, a VHS of like Norbit or Spinal Tap, you know which one I'd be dipping in the liquid nitrogen, Nathan. Like, you just know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's a boring as well. How's this boring? Yeah, you, you, like, know, you know the film I would be using as kindling for the fire, fire and it's not- Oh, it'd be cats, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh, boy. Boy, mate. That, oh. that, I don't even, that doesn't even deserve to be the kindling. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't. All right, more S gave it three and a half stars and wrote, great, but unfortunately not timeless. Hey, more. That's kind of, I guess, the essence of what I was saying, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think it definitely doesn't say much about... It does say a lot about the music industry today, but I agree. I can see how it'd be interesting if this story was told now. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, how that would reflect... Again, watch Popstar. The, the film pretty much does that. Or, Nathan, you and I, with our production company, we make uh, <laughs> we make Spinal Tap V2, you know what I mean? Oh, I love it. It'd be great. Presidential winner. Oh, the names today, dude. Then, like, I just, I, I literally just can't handle it. All right, um, uh, God, I just read the first, first sentence. Uh, gonna smoke a joint and watch this tomorrow. I, <laughs> I found it at. Sorry, I gotta, I gotta get it together. Whew, okay, presidential winner. <laughs> Uh, gonna smoke a joint and watch this tomorrow. I found it in a top 100 movies to see before you die list. Must be good. <laughs> <laughs> ah! And it's funny because that's how a lot of people do come to these old movies. Like, obviously, not everyone listens Ugh. to us or other podcasters. Like, they'll see one of those generic top 100 books and be like, fuck it, I guess I gotta do this. Nathan, are you. Are you insinuating that no one listens to us? And are we just going to brush past that? <laughs> no, we love every single of our listeners. And obviously there's a, a growing crowd, Brent, and tweeted us so we can be reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I can see, but like, do you reckon smoking would improve this experience? I don't think this is a film you want to see high because probably a lot of the clever jokes would wash over you. Yeah, maybe we can ask <laughs> Logan to review. <laughs> I feel like my best friend Logan is just going to be our like a uh, uh, residential stoner for the podcast. I feel, like, I feel like he should be a guest on the show at some point, and we should like uh, we should just get him to like give us like for instance, give us his experience of watching the court jester, uh, which is a great episode uh, by the way that you should all all listen to, uh, and, and get us to tell us uh, his experience <laughs> in watching that film. Do you remember when we were watching Court Jester with him? He like he saw you and me just like write down notes occasionally during the film. So he thought he had to as well, <laughs> even though he wasn't recording it with us. And he 
showed me the notes that, like during the film and it's the most incoherent <laughs> ramblings I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I should post them one day because they're so funny. He like, was getting... <laughs> the court jester genuinely freaked him out. The bits where they're like... The, yeah. the scenes where they were doing the tongue twisters basically and they were doing like the... Oh, he was so wide-eyed and genuinely startled and I felt guilty for letting him sit next to us. I'm like, oh, this is not for you, mate. Like... Gee, I can't imagine him watching Spinal Tap. He'd just be... He'd probably... He'd probably... Okay, Stone Logan would probably just go on Spotify and immediately try and find the music and be very confused <laughs> at the results. <laughs> no, he'd try, he'd try to go online and book tickets to their Japan tour. Like, <laughs> he'd surprise us with Spinal Tap tickets and we're like, like Logan, this where's, where's the tickets? I just watched the ad. Like, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Oh, oh, that's great. Uh, well, that was the people. That was that was that was spinal. That was tap, spinal tap. My, mate, my spine um, has been tapped. Let me tell you that much. I'll tell you what. Uh, well, what a great episode, Brenton. Where, where? But you know, that was us. But we want to hear from you. That's the point, of guys. This. The whole point of this podcast is that we want to interact with you guys. So feel free to what what would really help us out to be honest so we can keep doing uh, what we do is if you'd subscribe to us on 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 YouTube and send us a comment on there or subscribe to us on the podcast app and again yeah even write us a review write a review like let us let us know what you think even if you don't let's, like the show give us that half a star and say you're gonna smoke a joint tomorrow and listen in um look <laughs> maybe don't give it a half a star you, you know it's just still throw the constructive criticism oh <laughs> just bump it up for two at least yeah. you know what I mean no <laughs> no we and we and we we got a kick every time we hear from you. It's so cool. And like, it was great hearing from you guys about Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> Absolutely. There was lots to talk about there. So, uh, uh well, we love continuing the conversation on Insta. So feel free to reach us. There. Absolutely. And tell us what you think about this film, because obviously we disagree and I feel like there's going to be a lot of haters towards Brenton this week, oh. but, uh, maybe not. So if there's, if there's people that didn't, you know, dig this film or don't think it's still worth watching, let Nathan know. Yeah. <laughs> Direct it all towards me. Uh, all right, Nathan, it's time to play us out. Turn it up to 11. But Brenton, my guitar, it only goes up to 10. What do I do? Fuck. <laughs>